with the Department of Defense publishing their top think tanks plans and, and what their forecast for the next 30 years of mayhem, public uprisings, and all that kind of stuff, you can see that that's the Orwellian phase we're going into. We're in it, actually. As we're taught to show ID cards and grovel in front of uniformed people and always look at their feet, just like slaves have always done. And most folk are accepting it quite calmly because at the same time, we're given the scientific overload of consumerism and we like it. And we're back with more of this after the following messages. Less intrusive approach. Joe Pompey, a rather pompous guy, 
president and founder of Holosonics, said the creepy approach is key to drawing attention to A&E's show. But he noted the technology was designed to avoid adding to noise pollution. Isn't that beautiful of a psychopath? How they can twist something into the reverse and say they're trying to avoid noise pollution by putting thoughts right into your head. Because that's what it amounts to, you see. If you really want to annoy a lot of people, a loudspeaker is the best way to do it, he said. If you set up a loudspeaker on top of a building, everybody's going to hear that noise. But if you're only directing that sound to a specific viewer, you're never going to hear a neighbor complaint from street vendors or pedestrians. The whole idea is to spare other people. Oh, they're being nice to us. They're being nice to us. Good PR psychopath there. Holosonics had partnered with a cable network once before when Court TV implemented the technology to promote its mystery whisperer in the mystery sections of select bookstores. You see how they do it too? They introduce it gradually in little places like that until you're used to it. This is another article actually getting used to it. Mr. Pompey said the company also has tested retail deployments in grocery stores with Procter & Gamble, all oh, the big ones, and Kraft, the crafty one, for customized audio messaging. So a customer, for example, looking to buy laundry detergent could suddenly hear the sound of gurgling water and dust feel compelled to buy Tide as a result of the sonic experience. Mr. Pompey contends that technology will take time for consumers to get used to. We're going to get trained, folks. We're going to be trained, much like the lights on digital signage and illuminated billboards did when they were first used. Website Gawker posted an item about the billboard last week with the headline, Schizophrenia is a new ad gimmick, and asked how soon will it be until, in addition to the do, do not call list, we'll have a do not beam commercial messages into my head list. There's going to be a certain population sensitive to it, but once people see what it does and hear for themselves, yeah, intrusive thoughts, right? They'll see it's effective for getting attention, Mr. Pompey said. Yeah, it sure will. A&E's 3 million to 5 million campaign for paranormal includes other more disruptive elements than just the one audio ad in New York. In Los Angeles, a mechanical face creeps out of a billboard as if it's coming towards the viewer and then recedes. In print, the marketing team persuaded two print layers to surrender a full editorial page to their ads, flipping the gossip section in AM New York upside down and turning a page in this week's parade into a checkerboard for ads for paranormal. AM New York's gossip page got turned upside down as a promo. So here you are getting trained uh, to accept the next step. Now, don't ever believe for a second uh, that independent companies they just went ahead and did this on their own. Uh, this is backed from the top because this will have a tremendous effect on the culture and in the behavior of the people. Nothing, remember, is allowed to happen. Even Plato said this a long time ago. Nothing happens that would disrupt the culture. Everything has to be approved from the top, especially on something as scale as this. And you'll find these companies and corporations are all interwoven. The biggest corporations are all just sections, sections of your security services, your CIA, MI6, and so on. Real companies, real corporations, but they run the technological side of things. And this is going to be, be made more prevalent. And I've no doubt they'll use it in the school systems to, to calm the students. Now, we've got Callum in Connecticut, I think it is. Hello, Callum, are you there? 
Uh, yes, Alan. How are you? Not so bad. Um, I'm a long-time listener. Actually, I just wanted to... Uh, I, I know you touch on, on Cecil Rhodes quite often. Yep. Um, at the risk of being uh, too redundant, I, uh, I found in my grandmother's old bookshelf a, uh, a book called Pageant of Europe. It's uh, like an old textbook from the 30s. Yeah. And uh, if, if you don't mind, could I just read a quick quote from it? Sure, yeah. Okay. Um, and this, this is, there's a whole chapter on him, and this is something that really uh, called out at me, and it's just basically about his will. And it says, uh, the will proposed to establish a trust fund to and for the establishment, promotion, and development of a secret society, the true aim and ob object, uh, whereof shall be the extension of British rule throughout the world, the perfecting of a system of immigration from the United Kingdom and of colonization by British subjects of all lands where the means and livelihood are attainable by energy, label, labor, and enterprise, and especially the occupation by British settlers of the entire continent of Africa, the Holy Land, the Valley of the Euphrates, the islands of Cyprus and Cadia, and the whole of South America, the islands of the Pacific, not heretofore uh, proposed by Great Britain, the whole of the uh, Malay Archipelago, the seaboard of China, Japan, the ultimate recovery of the United States of America in the integral part of the British Empire, the, the inauguration of, of a system of colonial representation uh, in the imperial parliament, which may tend to wield together the disjoined members of the empire, and finally the foundation of so great a power as to hereafter render uh, wars impossible and promote the best interests of humanity. Now, now is, is that talking about uh, the Council of Relations, um, Trilateral, all the other... Yeah, yeah. What, what he did was he left the will in charge of uh, Lord Rothschild, who took over, okay. and he helped run the society from then on. And they said they would base it on, on the Jesuit system, in other words, uh, massive deception, uh, mm -hmm. based on massive deception where the public would never catch on to what was really going on. And they would, they would set up uh, front organizations as well. Uh, they, were, they were the social organizations that, that evolved into the big foundations. But again, too, this was authorized by the Crown of Britain. Never forget that. Rhodes didn't come out with this himself. This was, he was acting on behalf of the crown and the aristocracy of, of sure. Britain uh, at their command. That's why it's a royal institute of international affairs. The key, like all of us, are, are, is, is a mere subject as well. Yes. And the whole idea was to counter democracy, to, to set up a parallel government that would end up through foundations and front companies which evolved into the big high-tech companies, they're all part of the same system. All the famous names ones are all part of it. Yeah. And, and they would direct our lives into a planned society. When you talk about the benefit of mankind, it, well, who decides uh, what benefit is? Mm. It's their benefit, and that's what they meant by it. They said that democracy would be so time-consuming and wasteful they couldn't get anything done, and so they'd have to create a parallel system. And so Lord Alfred Milner, who ran the Round Table Society, was ordered to join, and they merged the two, the Royal Institute for International Affairs that came from Cecil Rhodes Foundation, and the Lord Milner Society, the Round Table Society, the Debating Society, merged together, and they created the League of Nations, which became the United Nations. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're pretty much uh, on, a, on a new level, like on a new tier, I guess, like within the new uh, 
this you were almost at the work. end of, of their function because our whole lives have been directed. The media, uh, that, that came out too with Carol Quigley, the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, which is only a non-Commonwealth term for the same organisation. Yeah. And, and he said that this is the new feudal system where the CEOs are tied in with government and they will be the new feudal overlords of the world. And that's what we're seeing now. The big corporations and their CEOs are uh, also run, you might say, they run environmental movements as well, along with their own foundations. They're all one big, huge, massive group organization. And they also run the newspapers. They own most of the newspapers on the planet. I'll be back with more after the following messages. to go into a country 
and alter their culture and dress them up with suits and ties, give them a briefcase or a Bible and, and tell them you're, you're now one of us. Uh, that's, that's insulting. Yes. That's insulting to the people. Now, most folk go into the Peace Corps because they're advised if they want to get into politics, it's a, a step up the ladder to have done time in the Peace Corps or any other big charitable organizations. So it depends on what your own intentions really are. There are many alternatives to the Peace Corps that you can go into where the real work is done. Well, I'll definitely look into that then. Yes, in fact, I know some people who, who do this themselves. And they go into other countries with, 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 with small groups of people, and they help out where help really is needed without forcing uh, an ideology or a commercialized system onto the people at the same time. That's what I would want to do, so I'm, I'm really glad I checked with you first. Yeah, if you email me, I can give you an address. Oh, I will. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your, your time. Thanks for calling. And best of luck to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. And uh, now we've got Ryan in New York. Are you there, Ryan? Hey, you can hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead. Um, um, I think a few shows ago you mentioned how uh, the mystery religion was um, basically various uh, forms of enslavement of sorts. And uh, it made me think about how uh, religion um, refers to binding and tying tying up and uh, the mystery binding like you come into this world and you go to school and you follow these laws and you're kind of binded you're like you kind of are the mystery religion well your whole culture is the mystery religion you realize uh, that everything that's happened in your lifetime all the little formalities that you think are cultural are actually religious in nature and they were given to you and Albert Pike explained some of this in his own writings now, he was the Pope of Freemasonry for a long time, and he said uh, a phrase that most people miss uh, or they can't understand. He said, including those, those who are Freemasons but have never gone through the, the higher rituals, he was talking about people who hadn't taken the first, second, and third degrees, because your whole training in life uh, is actually Masonically based. Your school and education system, if you read all the top Masonic books that are put out by the Grand Lodge of England, um, or the Coronati Lodge of, of England, that's their research department, they admit that they were behind the setting up and the promoting worldwide of a standardized educational system for everyone. So your whole education uh, came from, from them. Secondly, uh, the eradication of standardized religions uh, was also part of their ideology, and it was been primarily Freemasons who went round to where uh, your social events were, or even even where your, your local government institutions were, where they would always open with some prayer or other and, and complain that that was offensive to them. And so they had a massive network going around doing this, and that's why they were all pulled out of these particular meetings and in school eventually. You're living in a Masonic system and culture, and it works from the bottom right up to the top. You'll find pretty well everybody on your school board is either Eastern Star or a member of one of the lodges. And that goes all the way up to your federal government. You're living with inside a religion. We'll be back with more after the following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
through the Matrix. And I don't know if Brian is still on the, the line. Are you there, Ryan? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to mention as well uh, that uh, the whole idea of training in school and grading you, grading, even a grade comes from a term to grade, to build upwards as you would build a hill or a pyramid. All the terms that you use are, are building terms from Freemasonry that copied its terminology from the architecture of ancient times. And then you go up through your college and you're a pupil. A pupil is part of your eye, the eye of Ra. You are a pupil. That's why you're the, the apple of the eye, you see. And you start off as a pupil, and then you become a student, and then you go up, and then you get maybe a diploma or a degree. A degree is also part of the gradient, you see, as you go up the degrees. And then, of course, if you, if you eventually uh, qualify and you get rid of your little scroll, and then you're handed, uh, that's your scroll for life, of course, saying what you, that you're approved. You're dumbed down and stupid enough now and be quality approved that you can join their system and work for them in their system. That's what that means. And then they put a the little cap on you. That's the hod, the old Masonic hod. That's why it's got that funny shape on it. It's got the tassel hanging down. That means it's a limp penis, by the way. That's what it means, the tassel. And uh, you're now dumbed down and stupid enough to be allowed to work in their system. And you've been approved by their quality control management team. That's what it means. The whole system you're living in and all the signs and symbols you see around you are Freemasonic. That's the religion that runs this world. Does that help to answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for calling. Now we've got uh, Joe from Florida there. Are you there, Joe? Hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe from Florida. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Uh, I spoke to you once before. I do like your subjects very, very deeply. Uh, I don't know how well you are informed, but it's, it's a method used through the King James. I learned it through part of the biblical things in my time. And it goes back to about 1941, 42, when I first heard of it. And there are, on the barns in Pennsylvania, the Amish and so forth use them. They call them hex signs. Yeah. Are you aware of that? Yeah, I've seen them. Uh Okay. Then you have a religious person that can do powwow. Mm -hmm. If you have sunburns and stuff like that and you are sick, they will tell you who is putting a hex on you and what to do about it. Mm-hmm. And I know in my time about three people who could powwow. Yeah. And one that did the hexing, true story, is a friend of mine which is still living, but his sister also is living. And this was done to her when she was a little, a little kid, a little baby. Yeah. And the aunt, or the uncle, I think it was the aunt, that was jealous of her brother having a girl first born and put a hex on the girl, and she wouldn't eat. She was nervous. She was going down the tubes slowly. So the father went ahead and got a powwow man, and he gave her something like a bag of garlic and hung it around her neck and told 
them who did the hexing, mm-hmm. and it was the aunt of the of the girl. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to learn of the hexing, are you aware of the seventh book of Moses? Oh yeah, I mean I, I know the Moses and the Talmud completely, pretty well, completely. Yeah. People do not even talk about it. The preachers don't even know about it. Mm-hmm. But in the seventh book, it'll tell you. God tells you not to read it. It's too deep. Mm-hmm. You better know what you're doing, or you can hurt yourself. In other words, you're doing evil things. Yeah. Also, you can read that same. I hate to give you this information like this because people probably do know of it. And a lot of people don't, and the people who don't know of it will do it. But I will tell you, you get the seventh book of Moses, and you read it backwards seven times, which is Christ's number. He's going against Christ, or they are going against Christ, which is the devil, going against, and you read it seven times backwards. And eventually, you will perform, be able to perform uh, bad things. Now, well, even even this stuff came out. A lot of it in the, uh, the Salem witch trials as well. And of course, you had the Crucible movie, a very good movie, The Crucible, uh, that went into it. But it's also drafted with with uh, hysteria as well. Uh, to be honest with you, if you're terrified of curses, you're prone to curses and, and the effects of curses. If you're not terrified of them, it doesn't matter what comes your way, you, you will defeat it. And it won't even bother you. And it's like the Aborigines of Australia. If you point, if the bones get tossed up in the air, they come down and they point at you. Then that means they've been taught that you're going to die, and they will lay down and literally wait, and they will die because mm-hmm. it's geared as part of their religion. Now, the whole New Age phenomena is interestingly enough because, and I hate to say this, but it's true: uh, the New Age is old age stuff rehashed. It's very, very old, very ancient. But but women often will go, because they're more nature-bound, they, they love nature more so than the males. And they love flowers and the plants and how things grow because they give birth. And mm-hmm. and they're, they're prone to go into this wanting to control through magic. And so the New Age was designed and promoted primarily at, at women. And I know for a fact there's a lot of this cursing going on now today. Uh, through various Wiccan societies and all the rest of it. And you know what happens when you end up like this? You end up with a society that that was like Haiti, where you go to the voodoo man, he'll cast a spell for a few bucks or a pig or something. And that does work. And and then then you end up going to the same guy to get the curse taken off you, and he's he's rolling in the money, and he's he's getting Ah. pairs of pigs. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the, the public are all... Uh, paranoid of each other. Everybody's paranoid of every, everybody else in, in that system. So it's a form of madness that's created uh, by cultural indoctrination and reinforced by repetition. And um, uh, as I say, if people only keep their wits about them, uh, nothing, and I mean nothing, is going to affect you if you're on the right path. But yeah, in ancient times too, you have all the stories of of Saul and different ones going to the witch of Ender uh, for, for their magic, etc. You have Paul in the New Testament, who, who the, the feminists used it out of ignorance, really. I think willful ignorance, some of them who knew. But Paul said to keep, for the women to keep quiet in church because channeling uh, divinities was common in ancient times. 
just like it is in modern Pentecostal and charismatic churches. They'll stand up there and they'll channel the deity or God or something. Well, it was the same thing back then. And when they were trying to give a sermon, they couldn't finish it because one after the other was standing up and channeling a deity uh, to, to the audience, to the congregation. That's why you said to keep quiet in church. Nothing to do with, with prejudice or anything. So... So this has always been an appealing thing to certain peoples down through time, and and it's definitely been handed down. We know for a fact a lot of them who came in uh, with the Pilgrim uh, Fathers belong to societies. They're still on the go today, and they brought a lot of the stuff to do with the hex, etc., uh, with them. Yeah. Now there's another portion that my sister seen it happen, and. This old lady, which I knew of, had a cow that gave, gave a lot of milk, like 11 quarts in the morning and 11 at night. Yeah. She had more milk than she ever needed. And a friend of mine bought this cow and brought it home and put it in the barn right up at our place, you know. And I think it was a day or two later, that cow went positively dry. Yeah. And my sister seen this lady throwing kisses at the moon one night and so forth and going through a ritual. Yeah. Shortly after that, my friend had bought the cow. Mm-hmm. And it went dry two or three days after. And he yeah. didn't know why so sudden it went dry. I never told him. He was a pretty good friend of mine. I just kept quiet about it. Mm-hmm. He might have not believed me. Yeah. But now that you know what I'm talking about, and not very many people do know what we're talking about. Yeah. And the ones I knew who knew are dead. Yeah. Well, I wanted to find out. I wanted to find out of what of it that you did know. So I'm very thankful that you had answered for me. Okay. okay? Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. Yeah, this has been this is age old. This this uh, casting spells for power, and uh, it's, it was very common in ancient times, right up to the present. Actually, you still go to to women who who give you little magic potions to get the the particular man you're after, and you should ask for your money back when you end up getting divorced because it was the wrong one, obviously. But but they have all these little things going on, and it appeals to people. And even the raising of standing stones in ancient times was the first attempt to control nature. That's what the Stonehenge-type structures initially were, and then turned into uh, celestial laboratories, really, where they could observe the stars for the high priests who end up conquering the mines and ruling the people. Uh, but initially, when they, raised, when they rose them up, uh, they were showing a defiance to nature itself in an attempt to dominate and conquer nature, and that's never stopped. And they branched out down through the eons, into what we call the mystery religion or the secret societies of today. And you'll find them within every organizational structure that you think is part of your culture. You have an exoteric and an esoteric side to even your local golf club. You'll have your, your group who go in there for the general, the general members, but there's always an inner clique who decide policy, uh, who gets jobs in that area, contracts, and so on. The same as within the Shriners and all Freemasonic organizations, the exoteric for the public uh, and even for the lower members, and an esoteric that's in the know, as they say. And they'll often touch their nose while they say that if you catch on to how they, how they speak and communicate. So, 
magic appeals to people who want control over others and they want power over others. And then, of course, you have tremendous jealousies and spite coming out. Uh, Africa uh, was rampant with it, too. Um, so it's, it's, not, it's not confined to any one people. Uh, the ancient world in the Middle East, uh, even ancient Greece and so on, these were all rampant with the same problems of people casting spells on others. And those who would at least put a good act on and cast a spell and put a good flourishing show on, and a very impressive show, would end up getting masses uh, of respect from the people because they feared them. The people would fear these people who became holy people, and they would give them gifts to placate them. So it's a great, it's a great con job. And today uh, we have the, the same thing going on with the, uh, the TV evangelists, the superstars. Everything in America is done in a big way. It's completely combined with entertainment. And so the big superstar evangelists with their dripping of gold and all the rest of it, masses of bracelets, always asking for money. I always have gone amazed how God needs all this money. Uh, but the, apparently God can never have enough money. And these characters do the same thing. They, they bring up these poor souls who are conditioned into a culture of belief and promised cures because they, they worship this person actually more than they do with their God. That's pretty obvious because they've been convinced this person upon the stage who's altered, that's what an altar is, you know, above all men, you're on a stage. That's why they go crazy in a crowd when you're up there, even in a rock concert. And uh, they believe that you can cure them. And these characters take their money, they take their mortgages off them, second mortgages and all the rest of it, and they laugh all the way to the bank. And they can get a cripple to dance and, dance and sing for a minute or so for the audience. That's basic hypnosis. It works very well. And then the person's back in the wheelchair and maybe even worse than before often uh, than the very next day or a few hours later. And many programs have been documented on this and follow-ups. And these patients are in a sad way. Some people lose their children. They'll do anything to save their children, and they're ripped off. So magic is magic, even the promise of magic. And none of it would work. None of this would work if you did not give your faith in people. And because people are not content with a deity, they want a god or a king on legs walking this planet. That's what they want to worship. That's all through the Bible, really. And that's the allegory behind a people who wanted a king like the other tribes. Is telling you once you get a king, you worship the king and his way. You're worshiping another human being, but raising him to a, a godly status. And that's how Rome ran as well. Even Constantine, who gave you uh, the, uh, he actually accepted Christianity as another religion. Now he belonged to Mithraism and a whole bunch of other insurance policies, I call them. He joined every club there was for the afterlife. And after he, he admitted to Christianity and to the group, he then had, a, had a, a, a temple built where the people could go and worship his likeness, his statue, as all the emperors did long before him and some after as well. So people love to worship human beings, unfortunately, and that's the downfall of most people. They're not content with something that's, that's out there beyond all of this that they can communicate with personally. And I've always thought it odd uh, that Christians follow these evangelists, these superstars, when the, the founder, supposedly, of the, of the religion they follow tells them uh, to go into their own room or closet 
and pray to their deity on their own. You don't need a middleman. No, no matter how much gold is rattling around on his arms or his neck, you don't need a middleman to do it. But they unfortunately prefer superstars. And that's the sad condition of humanity. Those who follow, those who follow are not content. And that's why you have the blind leading the blind. It's very few that can use the religion they're given and climb up using it to a higher level. Because the same esoteric messages are contained within all religions. And poor old Christianity has been used as a bloody sword uh, since it was taken over by the Roman Empire. Uh, and that all the crusades and the slaughtering galore and the looting and pillaging. And, and they've got the audacity to say it was all for Christ. What a pathetic joke. Again, the psychopaths have no problem reversing everything and giving you these justifications for atrocity, ultimate atrocity. Then all the wars we've had since, with every side praying to the same God, supposedly, to spare their men as to tell them by the thousands to rush across battlefields and get shot down by cannon and machine guns. What a disgusting disgrace. But that's for the masses. I'll be back with more after the following messages. Publications, 
these big foundations, the big organizations that are interlocked, they've told us where they are taking us, which is technically oblivion, where you cannot think for yourself. You'll have no mind of it. In fact, you wouldn't even know that you were an individual personality. That's been stated. That will be utopia for the elite with their big technocracy running the affairs of people who will be programmed robots. And as Huxley said, well, what's the problem with giving people or taking their minds from them because they're not happy the way they are? What he failed to add is that he was well aware that the reason you're not so happy is because the big boys gave you the system and it's intended to keep you in a state of anxiety. That's how they maintain their control over you. We're in anxiety. And, and uh, so he was well aware of the reasons why we were so, so ready to give things up. But if we give up the one thing that we do have, and that's you, each one of you happens to be unique, absolutely unique. You don't need some fancy guy with his $5,000 suit and a bunch of clowns with billboards saying, vote for this, vote for that, to save you. They will not save you. Look at your own lifetime and how many parties have come and gone. And this agenda, this world agenda, UN agenda, goes on. It's time that we start to react ourselves and take charge of our own existence here on planet Earth. Well, from Hamish, my dog, and myself, from up here in Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God, all your gods, go with you. <laughs> 